Hi, I'm Jessica. And I'm Scott. And this is Scottica Talks. Thank you for listening to episode one, and now we're kicking off episode two. So we've got three things we're going to talk about today, so we will just get started. This first one is from one I saw on CBS News Online. I just thought it was kind of interesting. It is talking about the Freedom of Information Act, and the federal government has censored, withheld, or said it couldn't find records sought by citizens, journalists, and others more often last year than at any point in the past decade, according to a new analysis of that data, which I just think is kind of interesting. It says, the surge of people who sought records but ended up empty-handed was driven by the government saying more than ever that it could not find a single page of requested files, and asserting in other cases that it would be illegal to release the information. So people who asked for records, it says, received censored files or nothing in 78% of 823,222 records. That's a record over the past decade. When it provided no records, the government said it couldn't find any information related to the request in a little over half of the cases it said that. Which just, this whole thing just seems cr- I mean, crazy to me. Like, it uh, reeks of, like, something else going on that the government obviously isn't going to share with anyone. It turned over everything requested in roughly one in five requests. It also says the government spent $40.6 million last year in legal fees defending its decisions to withhold federal files, which is also a record. It's just kind of crazy. The government said it found nothing 180,924 times, which is an 18% increase over the previous year. It doesn't say, though, what they're looking for. Like, we don't, or it doesn't say, like, if there's a lot of people looking for the same thing or similar things that are all redacted, or if it's a bunch of different things that, like, used to be able to be found but can't anymore. It does say in here about. Many of those requests probably involved files related to the U.S. investigation into how Russia interfered in the 2016 presidential election or the related grand jury investigations or about Trump's personal or business tax returns. Because how many people, you know, do you think asked for Trump's tax returns? Mm -hmm. In more than one in three cases, the government reversed itself when challenged and acknowledged that it had improperly tried to withhold pages. But people only filed appeals 14,713 times. The Trump administration, in a report released last week, noted that it received a record number of information requests last year, which it should be noted that this study only covers eight months uh, under Trump because the fiscal year for it ends in September, September 30th, I think it says. So, performance under the records law by the Trump administration has been a source of curiosity since Trump skewed some of the common conventions of transparency, so, like, not releasing his tax returns, or 
it says um, logs of official visitors to the White House and ethics waivers granted to his political appointees do not include details about their former or current corporate clients. But it does say that he is more personally uh, accessible to reporters asking questions than President Barack Obama, and he has released as many details about his medical records as previous presidents. The Freedom of Information Act figures cover 116 departments. It was during 2017, but the fiscal year ended September 30th. The highest number of requests went to the Departments of Homeland Security, Justice, Defense, Health and Human Services, and Agriculture, along with the National Archives and Records Administration and Veterans Administration. So you're, I mean, it's you're right in saying that it doesn't say obviously what the majority of what they we're requesting because obviously you're requesting very different things if you're talking to Veterans Administration versus Agriculture and National Archives. So, yeah. it's a wide variety of things, but it's just, I just found it interesting because obviously the Freedom of Information Act, the first word is freedom, and it doesn't seem like that was a very free fiscal year for records. It sounds like if more people had uh, filed appeals, though, then they would have maybe gotten more of the information they requested, but since only 4% did. Yeah. If you want information, you gotta ask them twice, apparently. And wait years. Yeah, sometimes it says it can take months to years to get the information you want, so. But that's, that. I mean, that's basically that whole story. Our next story, you've probably already heard about it. It comes out of Miami, Florida about the pedestrian bridge that collapsed. So basically, a little backstory on this bridge is the whole reason it was being built was in, or was because in August of last year, a Florida, or an FIU student was uh, fatally struck by a vehicle trying to cross the street from the university to the, I don't know if it's a housing complex or if it's just some houses that a lot of students use, but across the street is where about 4,000 students had their uh, stay that go to FIU. So basically she was trying to cross the street and was fatally struck by a Brit or fatally struck by a car. So in response to that, the university hired MCM and FIG bridge engineers to construct a pedestrian bridge that goes over this traffic way to try to help keep people safe. So they don't have to cross over this busy street anymore. Uh, the bridge was supposed to be constructed using the accelerated bridge construction technology which is basically a process to streamline the building of the bridge so that it can be completed quicker and more cost-effectively. Mark Rubio, who is the senator of Florida, said the technology was supposed to make the building faster but not in the sense of cutting corners. Obviously, something went wrong that caused the bridge to collapse, but as of now, nobody knows if it was the process of the or a flaw in the process that caused it to collapse or if it was a flaw in the application of the process but basically what had happened was depending on what article you've read at first they were saying that the bridge was undergoing stress testing when it collapsed mm -hmm. and then uh, later on some of the articles started saying that it was after the stress testing that it collapsed and then, as of now, the last article, the I'm getting my information from a CNN article about the Florida bridge collapse. And it, it should be noted, like, this CNN article was updated this morning. It's the 
most updated, most yeah, most recently updated one that we could find before this podcast. Right. So as of now, the last thing that we've heard is it actually collapsed during because after the stress testing, they found that the cabling that was holding the bridge up had gotten loose, so they were tightening up the cabling, and that's when it collapsed. Which is that's what the CNN article says. The last article I read said it or didn't say anything about the cables being tightened. So. Right, and it's also <coughs> come out that there was that they had discussed the in- the structural integrity of the bridge just a few out and deemed it safe just a few hours before it collapsed. But on Thursday, I think it was the guy found someone. It was a big bridge engineer that came out to look over the bridge. They found cracks in the structure, but deemed it still safe. Something, basically, it was something along the lines of the cracks needed to be repaired, but they shouldn't, or they shouldn't have any... That it wouldn't leave, and it doesn't mean the bridge is necessarily meant that it's unsafe. So, but he left a voicemail for someone who was apparently out of the office and didn't get the message until Friday, which is the day after the bridge collapsed. Yeah. About the crack. So, I mean, whether those cracks had something to do with it or not, I mean, that's... We don't know. Yeah, that's something we'll end up finding out. But when when it collapsed, it landed, obviously, on the busy road underneath and ended up crushing a couple cars that were waiting at a stoplight. And in total, I believe five people died at the scene and one of them was transported to the hospital where they later died. Yeah. So... So far, we're up to six casualties, and the Florida rescuers and the police department and all that are, as, according to them, as certain as they can be that they've gotten everybody out. Right, which it's amazing that it was only six. But I always, I'm not, like, scared of bridges, but I always get more worried about them collapsing when I'm driving over them as opposed to being under them. I don't know why, but that's just how I... think I guess when it comes to bridges well there's two questions that stand out in my mind for this is well it's also worth noting before we get into that that during the stress testing whoever that the company doing the stress testing was supposed to let know I think it was Florida Department of Transportation maybe or whoever's above uh them uh, they whoever was doing the stress testing didn't inform anyone that they were doing the stress testing. Right. It was never, the road was never requested to be closed yeah, during so anything. That's what brings us to the two questions that I have in my mind is one, why wasn't the road closed? And two, why was it done in the middle of a day over a uh, busy road? Usually yeah. something like that, if the road is going to be open, they do it at night when there's much less traffic. Yeah. So more will come out, especially I think as these families of the victims kind of start hearing things and you know start digging deeper into things if they do this will definitely be a story that we touch on and as information becomes more readily available everyone involved in the investigation as to why the bridge collapsed is cooperating with the authorities in the investigation so sounds like we should i mean there shouldn't be a reason that we don't get the full story in the coming weeks Well, it just depends on how long the investigation takes. Yeah. Okay, so the last thing we were going to talk about today is kind of sad. So United Airlines diverted another flight after their third pet incident in a week. 
And so we were just kind of talking about the rise in plane-related, flight-related, the whole process of flying-related incidents over the last, oh, I don't even know, the last couple months even, it seems. But specifically even with pets. So you may have heard... More specifically with United. Yeah. Um, about the flight attendant who may, on Monday, okay, a flight attendant on a plane from Houston to New York told a passenger that she had to put her dog in an overhead bin. This article from Fox says, from our local Fox station, I should say, says that, um, the flight attendant is saying she didn't know the dog was in the carrier, which... That seems like a BS to me. It is, because all the other stories were saying, and the first-hand accounts from other people on the plane were saying the dog was barking the whole time. Well, and how on earth, as a pet owner, are you, do you, are you okay with that? I would never, ever let them put Aria or Penny in an overhead bin. There's, one Which, thing I never saw is, why did the dog die in the overhead bin? I think there's no air up there. It's like sticking them in a cabinet or a shelf but one that is sealed shut i mean i've never been in a plane so i don't know if you've been in a plane or i've only been in a plane once (laughs) so i don't know if uh the overhead bins are airtight or not i mean he's in a carrier in an overhead bin and i'm sure he wasn't the only thing in there and it was a french bulldog so it might have been temperature related too well in french they have those smushed in yeah noses but irregardless like I was heartsick over that, and I saw the picture where the, you know, they opened the bag, and the dog is obviously deceased, and that, like, I wish I would have never seen that. But it just kills me! I would ne- ugh, I just, I never want to fly with my pets after seeing all these stories. So that happened on Monday, then on Tuesday, a 10-year-old German Shepherd was supposed to go to Kansas, and he was flown to Japan. So then the Great Dane that was supposed to go to Japan, ended up in Kansas. So, that was on Tuesday, and they weren't reunited with their German Shepherd until Thursday. And I don't know how uh, Scott would be feeling if Chewbacca was supposed to be in Kansas, and he was in a completely different country, and he didn't get to see him for two days. Somebody would be dead. Yeah, I... Whoo! I'd be unhappy. So then... This one is another animal-related incident. So this is a flight that was carrying 33 passengers, which is a really small flight, from New Jersey to St. Louis. But the pet (laughs) was... I think this just was flown to the wrong place again. Or no, this is... They had an extra... I'm sorry. This is they had a dog on the plane that wasn't even supposed to be on the plane. So, I don't know who is in charge of the animals for United, but they need to seriously reconsider this. And people. I mean, it all just comes down. Because these are all different airports where right. this is happening. Right. So it just comes down to their. Kansas, St. Louis, Ohio. The procedures involving animals are either not up to par or the. Uh, guys loading the airplanes just don't care. Right, which I think it could be that. So I it just breaks 
my heart, and I don't ever want to fly with my dogs. I don't ever. <laughs> uh, but even with the um, dwarf hamster that we didn't talk about because that episode, my computer ate that episode. But Twice. yes, so if you missed that, a oh, girl. I don't know if that was United. That that wasn't United. That was that weird airline we hadn't heard of. Um, was set to fly with her dwarf hamster. Um, it's an emotional support hamster and when she got to the airport I think she made it even up to security and they told her that the the airline told her that the hamster couldn't fly after an employee with the airline had told her over the phone that it could fly with her twice twice and then the Spirit Airlines was that one. Oh, okay and then the flight not the flight attendant but the person at the, the gate attendant the gate attendant oh my god I can't talk I don't fly enough Told her to, suggested that she let the hamster go. Allegedly. Allegedly. Or flush it down the toilet. And the girl flushed her hamster down the toilet. Which, obviously, that emotional support hamster, I don't think, was really working for her if she had the... If she flushed it. But, well, she did flush it. But, I mean, overall, just don't... Bring your pets to the airport. I mean, I just can't. I can't deal with, like, all the sad animal stories in the news this week. It makes me wonder how much of this, or how much of these stories is actual, like, news stories. And how often this actually happens and just doesn't get reported. Yeah, I mean, that seems or like... reported to the news, anyway. There has been a definite uprising of flight related complaints and people talking more publicly but I mean I think that's just kind of the age that we're in you know if you can be upset with a with a airline you can tweet about it and if you have enough followers then they're gonna reach out to you and they're gonna try and fix whatever it is because you're talking poorly about them publicly and then, you know, the news is always... Or even if you don't have enough followers, you can still go viral pretty easily right. with a... Especially with... Quote-unquote good story. Camera phones. Because yeah. that's all it takes. So, <clears throat> it's kind of uh, the day and age we're in is that it unfortunately doesn't necessarily have to be true. It just has to be put on the... In- put Said and put out on the internet or... Yeah filmed in a, from one person's viewpoint and put on the internet and people are going to believe it. I just can't take these animal related stories and I think I mean as a pet owner myself I, I can't imagine that overhead bin with the Frenchie. I just I would get off the plane I think. I've never in my well, life. Well it also doesn't say if the plane was actually already in transit or not. That's what I was wondering. Oh, that's a good point, but it was probably before. I mean, I've never seen... I've More than only seen was, but... dogs under the seat. Always. Yeah. And this, and the, the carriers you put dogs in look different than, you know, a suitcase. Like, they have the mesh for breathe, breathability. Hopefully that flight attendant really regrets their decision and doesn't do that ever again. They still have their job. And... Hopefully United gets their act together and quits sending dogs to other countries. That'd be great. Yep. Is that all we got for today? Uh, that's all I got. Okay. 
Well, thank you for listening and following along with us. We are at Scottica Talks on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And we will be um, uploading the episodes on SoundCloud, Stitcher, and iTunes. So thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Chewbacca, say goodbye. Nope.